Hi, I'm Katie Marquette, and you're listening to Born of Wonder. And here there is something more than just a transient experience. It's about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. What heaven can be more real than to retain the spirit world of childhood? Beatrix Potter. There are certain stories, certain images, certain sounds that just bring you back to your childhood. I'm sure we each have our own uh, special memories from that time. And for me, uh, what you're hearing now in the background is the beginning of the PBS uh, series um, featuring Peter Rabbit and friends, Beatrix Potter. It shows Beatrix Potter painting on a hillside when all of a sudden a rainstorm comes in and she's forced to run inside with her with her collie across these beautiful, uh, you know, North, North English moors uh, back to her, her cottage to a uh, hilltop farm. And there she's going to write another letter to, uh, to one of the children that she knows, uh, in this case, the son of one of her old governesses. And uh, she's going to tell them a very special story that we all know and love now. And it starts, of course, with once upon a time there were four little rabbits and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. Uh, just the beginning of this 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 film, uh, th- these little series, it just really brings me back. I loved, loved, loved all the Beatrix Potter stories. I loved this PBS series. I loved the books. Um, Beatrix Potter and and her whole world uh, and all her her wonderful magical beautiful creations um, just the tale of Peter Rabbit of course tale of Squirrel Nutkin <laughs> it's just, uh, so so many of them make me laugh when you reread them because they're actually sort of scary you know uh, like Squirrel Nutkin is confronted by this owl and he's he's his tail is chopped in two but uh, that's also what's really cool about Beatrix Potter is she didn't shy away from sort of the actual nature of these animals in one story there's a dog and a cat that run a shop and uh, and that's frequented by mice <laughs> and they have to talk and they talk about how hard it is sometimes to not eat their customers but you know that's just how it is so I mean there's just so many charming characters Benjamin Bunny um, Mr. Jeremy Fisher, Miss Moppet, Tom Kitten, Jemima Puddle Duck. So many, so many great stories, so many great characters that I remember so well. And they all make me think of my grandmother, too, who was just adored Beatrix Potter. My grandmother was one of these somewhat magical people um, who I think was just meant to sort of live in uh, the fairy world of little children. And uh, she created very magical worlds for me and my sister, um, you know, tea parties and uh, and lots and lots of books. And yes, lots of Beatrix Potter she had. I remember distinctly her, her porcelain um, 
collection of all the characters that would be on her windowsill and we would be allowed to pick them up and look at them very gently and closely. She had all the books um, and we would just reread them over and over again. We would pretend to be the bunnies, you know, we'd be Peter Rabbit and Benjamin Bunny and sometimes she would be Mr. McGregor and we had to run away so we wouldn't get baked into a pie. <laughs> That's another line that makes me laugh in Peter Rabbit when Mrs. Rabbit warns, you know, Peter and her and her other children, you know, don't go into Mr. McGregor's garden because your father had an accident there. He was baked into a pie by Mrs. McGregor. It's like, whoa, watch out. Your father was baked into a pie. So um, just so charming, so wonderful. So I thought I would just um, have a little bit of an episode about her, just celebrate her a bit, uh, learn a bit more about her as a person. And uh, there was actually a recent article in uh in the new yorker from from this march uh called the secret life of beatrix potter i will link to that in the show notes um and there's a an exhibit apparently going on in london right now at the victoria and albert museum and that is all about beatrix potter so if you if you're in the uk if you or if you find yourself in london uh, i think it's there for a year so if you find yourself there it might be worth checking out uh it sounds like they have some really really interesting things there uh, the exhibition is called Beatrix Potter Drawn to Nature, uh, has 240 eclectic objects, including manuscripts, sketches, tchotchkes, and collectibles, even the alleged pelt of Benjamin Bunny. Oh my. Uh, so there's lots of really interesting things. Uh, you know, here's something else really charming is like that she would, uh, she'd like write letters, you know, from the animals. So there's, the <laughs> so in this exhibit, there's a display case holding tiny folded letters that Potter wrote as if they were sent from one character to another, quote, letters between Squirrel Nutkin and Twinkleberry Squirrel. So I just love this wonderful sense of imagination. I love um, love the sort of quiet humor. And uh, of course I love, as we'll learn um, that uh, about Beatrix Potter's love of the countryside and celebration of that and um, deep uh, desire to preserve that way of life. So here we go. We're gonna celebrate Beatrix Potter today, but first let me do a short introduction. Uh, I'm Katie Marquette. You're listening to Born of Wonder. Thank you so much for listening. Season four, episode two. Uh, very excited to have you along. I hope you're having a good summer. I hope that it's not too hot, uh, that, that it's not too muggy. Uh, you know, we're actually, actually the this season launched on the first day of summer, which is just sort of ironic considering my deep loathing for summer. But we will redeem it thinking about the English countryside. That's where we're going to pretend we are. I want to live in a place where I can wear a cardigan all year round. But anyway, um, if you want to learn more about me and the podcast and read essays, things like that, you can go to bornofwonder.com. That's also the best place to contact me. Uh, if you have time to leave a review, I so appreciate it. And if you would like to become a Patreon, just follow the link in the show notes. Uh, you can support the podcast for $2 a month. But here we go. I'm going to launch this with a rather obnoxious tune i'm going to warn you it's going to be in your head so if you want to skip 30 seconds i understand but my daughter loves this it's on spotify and it is a narrated musical version of peter rabbit and uh and it's narrated by vivian lee yes vivian lee of gone with the wind doing peter rabbit here so here we go we're gonna jump right into this story learn more about uh the wonderful woman who created these magical worlds <laughs> Once upon a time, there were four little rabbits, and their names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter. They lived with their mother in a sandbank underneath the root of a very big fir tree, and there was nothing their mother liked better than to busy herself at home 
cooking and looking after her children. My name is Mrs. Rabbit, and happy is my lot. See what beautiful children I have got. I work for them and care for them and teach them how to be most respected members of the Bunny family. We're a happy family, yes, a happy family, and we live at the foot of the big fir tree. Flopsy and Mopsy, how could they be sweeter and funny little cotton tail? Okay, so I warned you that's going to be in your head. You're going to be dancing around to that flopsy and mopsy. You're going to be singing that the whole day. So I'm I'm very very sorry about that. But it is really funny. It's really cute to see to see with 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 Jojo like the second that little like doot 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 starts, she like gets this big grin on her face. It's really cute. So um she loves these stories. We have just a little board book version of Peter Rabbit and she she loves it. She especially loves the beginning like the rhythm of flopsy mopsy cottontail and Peter. She just wants us to reread that first page over and over again. So um definitely something in these stories that appeals to even the youngest readers. So who was Beatrix Potter? So she was born Helen Beatrix Potter on July 28, 1866. She was born into an upper middle class household educated by governesses and grew up largely isolated from other children except for her brother. And they lived in London. They lived in the city in South Kensington, uh, but they did take frequent visits, uh, holidays to the Lake District and to Scotland. And this is really where she came alive. This was her her love in life was the countryside. She did not like city life. Um, and uh, she, she just embraced those times out in the countryside. And she and her brother were big animal lovers. They would bring home, um, you know, bats and mice and bunnies and she did indeed at one point have bunnies named Peter, Peter Piper and Benjamin Bouncer, Benjamin Bouncer. So uh, they, these bunnies uh, were, were real inspirations uh, and she loved sketching. She would draw all sorts of things. She would draw the water pail out behind the house. She would draw um, flora and fauna. She we became very interested in mushrooms and fungi. She was a real naturalist from a really young age and, um, and she felt like uh, that drawing was just sort of a compulsion for her. And, uh, and she just wanted to capture um, all the amazing things she saw. This is a quote from her. It is all the same, drawing, painting, modeling, the irresistible desire to copy any beautiful object which strikes the eye. I cannot rest. I must draw, however poor the result. And when I have a bad time come over me, it is a stronger desire than ever and settles on the queerest things. Uh, she wrote this in her journal as a teenager and went on to say, Last time in the middle of September, I caught myself in the backyard making a careful and admiring copy of the swill bucket, and the laugh it gave me brought me round. So uh, some some self-aware humor um, from young Beatrix, who, again, she's pretty isolated. She's not hanging out with other children, but she is very immersed in this, in this outside world when she can sort of get away from the uh, stuffy Victorian atmosphere that it sounds like her parents were very intent on preserving. Uh, in this exhibit um, that I mentioned earlier, you will find her, her teenage journal, um, which she went to great lengths to keep quite private. Um, you know, did you have, you know, like when you were a teenager, one of those journals with like a lock and key and things like that? Or yeah, I think I did. <laughs> um, and, and you know, I get it. I mean, they're, you know, you're 15, you're rambling, you do not want your parents reading these things. And Beatrix apparently was the same way. She was very fastidious um, about keeping her journal secret to the point of developing an extremely um, 
difficult code. It was it was completely coded. <laughs> so um, it it took uh, until 1958 when a collector went through them. Um, it says identified a passing reference to Louis the Sixteenth, and then painstakingly decoded years worth of Potter's innermost thoughts. So, um, so, so quite an elaborate um, teenage plot there to keep to keep her inner life secret. And uh, and now all these years later, now it's in a museum, and we're all reading about it. So. That's just the way life goes, I guess. <laughs> um, so, so, so this was, you know, young Beatrix, Beatrix Potter. Um, she didn't marry. Um, she really was. She ended up, you know, taking care of the household, taking care of her mother. Uh, just very so, a sort of quiet life, um, you know, with her family. And uh, she again was always, always just trying, trying to get out of out of the city, you know, uh, another quote from her, why do people live in London so much? <laughs> um, and she would call her birthplace of London unloved, uh, longing to be out in nature. So those those jaunts out to, to the North Country, out to Scotland, she just thrived in those environments. And that is, of course, where she would get much of her inspiration for her later cast of characters. And the first time she started really writing about uh, about about these animals as characters was really in her letters. Uh, so another another vote there to, to write letters. I think I, you know there's so much creativity in letter writing that we would never do in an email. You know you would never do a little sketch or have a little side story that you might uh, include for your friend's child or something like that. Um, yeah, just write letters. Just go for it. Be like Beatrix Potter and you might <laughs> have your life's work on your hands. But in any case, she started writing letters to um, the children of her friends. And in the case, in this case, like I said earlier, she was writing to the son of her former governess. Uh, his name was Noel Moore. And uh, she, she's, in 1892, she wrote about an encounter that Benjamin Bunny had with a wild rabbit in the garden and how <laughs> Benjamin hardly noticed because he was eating so much. Um, and she continued to write about uh, about Benjamin and then about Peter uh, to, to Noel. And then in 1893, she wrote that famous line, My dear Noel, I don't know what to write you, so I shall tell you a story about four little rabbits whose names were Flopsy, Mopsy, Cottontail, and Peter, drawing a picture of a whiskered Peter on its hind legs, ears perked. Uh, very mischievous, as we all know, with his little blue, his blue turncoat, right, that he loses in the garden, very distinctive. It's funny how those details matter so much to children, and we remember them so much. So she had clearly a sense for this in, in just the detailed way that she, she created her characters. Um, even in something, if you think about in the tale of Mrs. Tiggy Winkle, uh, the, the hedgehog, she wears a bonnet, but her quills poke out of her bonnet. Just those little details are so charming and lovely. So in any case, she's writing all these letters and uh, Noel's mother is looking at them and, you know, is saying, really, this should be a book. This is wonderful, these illustrated letters. Um, and so uh, she pu self-published in 1901, The Tale of Peter Rabbit, um, pretty much exactly the way she had written it in her letters. Um, because a series of established publishers turned it down, um, uh, partially because she insisted on keeping the book's price low, a quote from her here, little rabbits cannot afford to spend six shillings on one book and would never buy it. 
Very true. Um, so, and she also wanted the books to be quite small so they could actually be read by children. All, all these things made it uh, unappealing to, I guess, the major publishing houses. So uh, eventually though, um, the next year, Frederick Warren and Co. agreed to create an abridged version. And uh, after that, it was off to the races, instant hit, selling out multiple editions and soon, you know, came on the next series, The Tale of Squirrel Nutkin, The Tailor of Gloucester, and she just kept going, Jemima Puddleduck, uh, all these wonderful characters. And, um, and they really were coming out of her letters still. Uh, that was that was her big inspiration. I do think the fact that she was actually writing to a child, she wasn't sort of writing hypothetically what would a child like, she was actually talking to a real child. I think you can feel that in, in the writing, that they are really written um, for children as they actually would want to encounter them. So at this point, um, at the age of 39, she's falling in love. She's falling in love with her editor, Norman Warren. And uh, her parents aren't thrilled. I mean, I'm sure they liked having her around, keeping the books and everything. And also, this guy was in trade, not very proper. But they uh, apparently got over that. They got engaged. And then, so sadly, um, Warren died of lymphatic leukemia. And uh, Potter had been away in Wales and didn't even get to say goodbye. So that's a big tragedy. So she uh, sort of rebounded from this tragedy by taking uh, the money that she had earned from her books, which was quite substantial, and uh, she wanted to buy a farm. So I love her instincts. I love it. She's get me out of the city, buy a farm. So within a few months after Warren's death, um, she purchased 34 acres that she would call Hilltop Farm in England's beautiful lake district in the far north country. So uh, she had visited the area for years and finally she had some land of her own. Years later, she wrote of the house, it is in here I go to be quiet and still with myself. This is me, the deepest me, the part one has to be alone with. So Hilltop Farm would be her refuge for the rest of her life. She um, enmeshed herself there. She grew a garden. She raised sheep, uh, award-winning sheep. Uh, she would go on to buy more and more land uh, in order to keep it in conservation. Um, and uh, it, uh, it's really become uh, Beatrix Potter's area to this day, really because of um, because of what she did there, because of her, her immense dedication to preserving the countryside. Um, Hilltop itself is a two-story farmhouse, uh, originally from the 17th century, pitched roof, vines creeping on the outside. You can just imagine this. Uh, garden outside with roses and hollyhocks, uh, all kinds of beautiful things. Um, and then just all these sheep and rolling hills surrounding her. Uh, she had a very happy life there um, in the Lake District. She would go on to marry um, in her 40s, married a local lawyer named William Helis, um, and she would move into a separate cottage with him and keep Hilltop for herself. So it makes me think of Virginia Woolf, you know, a woman needs a room of her own to write. So uh, she kept this place for herself, her sort of refuge, her place to write and be and create, and, uh, and, and had a, you know, by all accounts, a typical country life. Um, she was really, she was known as Mrs. Helis in the village, known for her prize-winning sheep. And uh, when she died in 1943, she left more than 4,000 acres and many working farms to the National Trust, which now owns more than 20% of the Lake District. Her bequest remains the Trust's largest acquisition in the area. 
So uh, what an amazing gift to leave behind, right? That she, uh, she, she invested in this land, she lived there, she loved it there, and now the National Trust is preserving it in perpetuity. So absolutely beautiful. And I'm so glad that she, uh, you know, that she found this life that she dreamed of, that she dreamed of this, this wonderful life. I, I like the way that the, this New Yorker writer who wrote um, the article I mentioned earlier, Anna Russell, she describes going into, um, into Beatrix Potter's house. And this is how uh, she describes it. Looking over her things, I was struck by the house's modest proportions. By the end of her life, Potter was the equivalent of a multimillionaire. She could have remained in London, patiently keeping house for her parents, but instead she chose this life. The rooms felt cozy and curated, filled with knickknacks collected over the years, like a magpie's nest. Her joy in having a space of her own is obvious. She was a late bloomer, but she grew decisively into herself. So there we are. That is the life of Beatrix Potter, the creator of Peter Rabbit, Benjamin Bunny, and so many other wonderful characters that will um, will be around uh, forever, I think. Um, I think children are still going to love them. Uh, they will always love them. And I love uh, just knowing uh, this backstory about her life. I also really enjoy the fact that she... Um, came to many of these things later in life um you know that she you know she didn't get married till she was in her 40s she uh she she wasn't getting published until she was in her late 30s uh she didn't create this dream house of herself until she was in her 40s um i think that sometimes people feel a lot of pressure you know they turn 30 or something and it's like hope this is it you know we've <laughs> i haven't written the great american novel yet you know um there are certain things i need to change in my life but um, you know, God willing, life is long. And I think that things happen when they're supposed to for, for different people. And, uh, and who knows, I mean, maybe it took that long for her to, to be in a place where she, she could write those stories and she could create that life that she wanted and needed in, in that, in that beautiful lake country, um, you know, that, that it wouldn't have been right any sooner. So I think things happen when they're supposed to. So I always love hearing stories of people that sort of come to vocations that, uh, or different or have different vocations throughout their life, um, and come to them maybe on not the timeline that you would expect. And Beatrix Potter certainly, uh, certainly exemplifies that. So I hope you enjoyed learning a bit more about Beatrix Potter. I hope it inspires you to pick up some of her books. Um, there are actually quite a few biographies out there about her. I would I would love to read one sometime. Um, but there's one uh, that's sort of a book that's based on on this exhibit and what the information that has come out of it in uh, in recent years. Um, called uh, Beatrix Potter Drawn to Nature, uh, same name as the exhibit. So that could be one. Um, so, so, so there's still, if you're, if you're interested in her, I will put more links in the show notes so you can learn more about her. And I will also put links, I don't know if you want to play it again, but that <laughs> Spotify um, playlist of the Peter Rabbit tales uh, with Vivian Lee narrating and all the wonderful musical numbers. Um, and I will also put a link to the YouTube video of that absolutely charming, beautiful, um, PBS series um, about about Peter Peter Rabbit and friends. Uh, so that's it for today's episode. Um, looking forward to next week when we will be talking all about blessed Pier Giorgio Frassati. If you don't know about him, look him up. Uh, just look up a picture. You're going to see you're going to see him probably climbing a mountain. And this this was a mountain climbing 
uh, incredible man um, with with just a, a huge heart and a huge appetite for adventure. Uh, his famous saying is verso l'alto to the heights, um, which which we've sort of embraced as a family motto. I, I love it. It's just why not? Why not go for it? Go all the way. And uh, and I'm going to be reading a bit from an essay I wrote about um, the, he, an Im- incredible influence he had on me, um, and also the influence he had on people like St. John Paul II. Uh, so it, it will air the day after his feast day on July 4th. So when you're celebrating when uh, USA, you know, fireworks, hot dogs, all those good things, you can also um, say a little prayer to, of intercession to uh, Blessed Pier Giorgio. Um, but I, I actually think it's an appropriate feast day for him because he was all about freedom and adventure and all the, all the, all the best that we want to think of America, right? Um, even though he was Italian, but, <laughs> um, but, uh, he certainly exemplifies that adventurous spirit, uh, that, 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 uh, I love about America as well. So I wish you a wonderful week ahead and uh, I'm going to leave with, I've recommended his music before, but I was recommending it in the context of Christmas, Um, but wonderful guitarist named Robin Bullock, um, but he has lots of music that isn't just uh, Christmas music. And I often turn on, if you just go on Spotify or Pandora or whatever you use and you look up Robin Bullock Radio, you will just have this wonderful, it's just, you'll have such a great mix, you know, because a lot of it is sort of Celtic inspired and it's relaxing. And uh, I like to listen to it in the morning when I'm having coffee or if you're having people over, it's great background music. Um, So I'm just going to play a Robin Bullock piece for you and I'll put a link to that in the show notes as well. So thank you so much for listening. As always, I'm Katie Marquette and this This is Born of Wonder. about uh, being. It's about the things that matter to me. It's about the white spaces between the paragraphs. Then God said, let there be light. It's a mistake you always made, Doc, trying to love a wild thing. <laughs>